Well, today in the Voice in the Distance Ministries, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 25, and we're going to be looking at some uh, other important things that come, uh, that came, I should say, with the um, with the covenant that uh, God made with Israel. And now, with the covenant comes certain things that will have to be done within the sanctuary. And it seems that, you know, there's a step process, of course. Whenever you build a church or a synagogue, you know, something has to be uh, done. There has to be a foundation laid. But God was laying down the spiritual foundation. And that spiritual foundation was first and foremost the covenant that was made with Israel and the people. And now what we're going to see now that that's been done, now God's going to be giving some uh, some blueprints here of the tabernacle. He's going to be giving some blueprints of offerings within the sanctuary. But again, last uh, in the last uh, chapter of 24, we had seen that uh, Moses was required to meet with God face to face up on Mount Sinai. And that, the title of that message was called Time to Climb because it was Moses himself that was required to go up there and meet with the Lord one on one. No one else was to come up there with them because Moses will be coming down now to, to give the information to the people of what is to be done, you know, with the commandments and with the laws. But not just the commandments and laws. God was very specific on certain things on the building of the tabernacle and, and as well as certain things that are to be put in there. And, and so again, it's interesting because we look at God, you know, he was not only the perfect lawmaker, but he was also uh, a great interior designer as well. Because everything we're seeing was by his particular design. God gives the, God gives the, the insight and the blueprints and, and, you know, the color schemes. Everything that's going on here was by the design of God, not of Moses. Moses was basically coming down to give the blueprints of what it was that God said to do. The, the thing where the people were involved were the craftsmen that were gifted with the things that would be used to um, to build all of this and to make this stuff. And and it's interesting because, again, you know, when we look at it, we think to ourselves, like, well, you know, we don't see anything like that nowadays. There's people out there that they build churches. We have architects, and they're the ones creating that. You know, that's all fine, and I love architecture. I'm very fascinated with it because I've seen some beautiful architecture. Um but when it's God's design, that is even more interesting. Now, granted, what we're looking at is more or less of a tent. But even this tent and the things inside this tent were spectacular. This tent that would be moving around the desert, you know, for a period of years where God said, I'm going to be dwelling with you, was still spectacular in the design. So last week when it was time to climb uh, up that mountain... Moses basically had had uh, made known of the things that had to be done. There was particular sacrifices. There was things to be done on how to do the sacrifices. And that had to be done whether there was a tabernacle or not. Because, you know, regardless, God was there and things were required to be done. But now God's going step by step. Now that you've got this covered, now it's time to build something where I'm going to dwell with you. And, you know, God dwells with us everywhere we're at, right? But, but God said, I want something in particular, something specific that I want you to build. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Exodus chapter 25. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 first. And again, you know, there's going to be some good, uh, some good reading in between. Um, but, you know, follow along. If you don't have a Bible, you could hear me read it out loud to you. So in chapter 25, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, and you shall take my offering. 
And this is the offering which ye shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the, in the epod and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in amongst them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern. The pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So again, what we have here is the first synagogue or church, whatever you want to call it. It was always called a syn- you know, it was called the, the tabernacle. Uh, okay, but this was the tabernacle that will travel around with the Israelites because chapter 25 through 31 will have a lot to do with the design of the tabernacle and what God himself will give the blueprints of. And the offering of all of these items were to be given with a true giving, a true giving heart. And, and people with particular skills were used to contribute and build this tabernacle. We had ram and goat skins, fine linen acacia wood, uh, acacia wood was very strong and durable and, and was used a lot because insects actually did not touch this particular wood. So, um, so acacia wood was very, was very durable, long lasting and insect, uh, insects didn't really, uh, eat this wood or take a part of this wood. And then God says to take part, to use purple and blue. And what's what's really interesting here was purple and blue that was used by dye makers were typically done uh, uh, were used by sea snails and self, uh, certain shellfish. And back in the uh, in the biblical days, people that made this uh, stuff was it was a very expensive process to make these garments in two colors because we had blue, which was a representation of heaven and holiness, and then purple was a representation of royalty. You know, over the years we've seen where uh, kings and queens and whoever was in charge would wear uh, purple um, robes, if you will. So these were some of the items that God told Moses to gather. And then he says to make a sanctuary. And see what a beautiful word it is. Sanctuary. Which is the meeting place where people would gather together to meet with God and worship and in, in the assembly of the people. In this design, we will see a particular area where uh, where there will be a curtain separating the area of the sanctuary. And that is what we call the Holy of Holies. And that's where God will dwell in this area of the tabernacle. It is the most holy place. And, and it was the separation from uh, whatever was common or unclean, sinful, and so on. This was wonderful because in Egypt, when they were when the Israelites were in Egypt all those years, they had nothing. They were they were enslaved, and now they get a place of worship designed by God Himself. And, and it's interesting too because over the years, churches have have built in so many designs and and, and sizes, and some have state of the state of the art electronics and sound systems. Yet this was made out of miscellaneous items of all top quality, but yet it was still a tent. Now, in today's worth, people have put figures that the tabernacle would be in the millions uh, of its cost. And I'm not sure of an exact amount because you can't really, you can't really put an exact amount on it. But when they looked at all the the design and the things that were done in today's cost, it would have been in millions. And the fact that the presence of God was there, and the design of the tabernacle was given by God, was absolutely priceless. Because yes, the materials showed God's greatness and his transcendence, but the nature of it was the desire of God to be with his people. 
while they were in travel to the promised land. But what else is interesting while reading about the material and the design, if you've been in construction uh, or in the, in the industry or any form of building industry, this was, this was brilliant to have. Why? Because they were in the Sinai Desert because the, the weather was brutal. I, I'm sure it was also pretty, uh, pretty harsh in the wintertime, but more so in the heat of the summer. And I would imagine that by design it was pretty comfortable to be inside physically as it was spiritually. Because to this day, actually, the day we're, we're speaking of right now, the, to this day, shepherds in the Middle East who live in tents, uh, they're made out of, um, they make them out of goat skins and other similar materials that we're seeing. But you see, nothing is more pleasant than being in a sanctuary. A sanctuary where the presence of God is in the church. I, I myself, I love just entering in the sanctuary before anything happens because it is the house of God. And, and we get to dwell there with Him. But see, he, he is with us everywhere as He lives in us and dwells in us. Now let's uh, check out verses 10 to 16 here as he continues. And 10 to 16. It says, and they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Uh, two and a half cubits shall be its, its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its, its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. And you shall overlay it and, and shall make it on a mold, uh, make of it on a molding of gold all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in, in its four corners. Two rings shall be on the side and two rings on the other side. And you shall make uh, poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings in the, in the sides of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. So, in the ark of the, the this is the uh, the ark of the covenant was given in, in a box out of acacia wood, uh, two and a half cubits in length, and a cubit in those measurements were about eighteen inches per cubit. Uh, they would measure a cubit from the tip of your elbow to the tip of your middle finger, and that's how they would normally measure what a cubit was. And on the sides of the box would be rings made of gold because that, that there would not be uh, there wouldn't be any handles. It was used for a pole to go through the rings so it could be so it could uh, be carried by the pole. So why the box or, or the ark? Well, it was designed to place the testimony or the laws that God would give Moses in the ark. As they would travel, now the laws were not, they were not given yet, but in God's perfect ways and timing, it would be ready when the laws were brought in written form. It would have a place to keep them. So God is telling them right now to go ahead and give them designs. So by the time that he comes down with all of this stuff, the ark will be ready for its holding. But later on, uh, later on, we're going to see that uh, other holy things will be put in, uh, such as things like Aaron's rod, uh, the tablets of the covenant. Uh, we will see the, the golden pot that held the manna. That w- those are also going to be put in the Ark of the Covenant as well, which were important things. But the one thing about the Ark is the power of it. See, the power of it, it could not be touched by human hands, in which why there were rings installed with a pole to carry it by the priesthood themselves. 
if it were touched, if somebody touched it, they would fall to their death. And what will happen later on in other books, we will see. But let's take a look on verse 17 to 22. And you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. And shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in command, in commandment to the children of Israel. Now, we have a seat to be built called a mercy seat. And this is where the atonement for sin was to be done. It's, it's where God would meet with man when approached. See, in between the mercy seat were two cherubims, and these were angels. But cherubim were uh, actually the defenders, and, and they were defenders and messengers with a high rank in the angelic placement. God meeting them uh, from the top of the mercy seat was fitting because it was proof that the requirements were met as God was right there within the requirements of atonement on the mercy seat. Uh, the angels on each side is likely a representation of them being by the throne of God in heaven, okay? Because God was the architect and interior designer of this all. But the important reminder here is the provisions in the heart of God giving them a way to make things right when they broke a law or or uh, a law of God or sinned in whatever capacity. See, even then God was abundant in grace and mercy. It was the way and the design for the people of that time. I always emphasize the blessings of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus and why these methods are no longer required for the atonement of our sins. Because God's plan was there from the beginning, but his timing is on him, and we could never fathom everything. But trust and faith in him is what God is looking for. See, Christ became the mercy seat. The blood was the sign of the atonement. Therefore, God would accept the atonement. And if you have listened in previous messages, I try to make known that when people ask questions such as, like, why such a horrific procedure for atonement? And my answer is that, well, sin is horrific in the eyes of God. So at that time, it was to show them the seriousness of the sin. Therefore, the seriousness of the atonement was to be had. Now, one would have to wonder how much people sinned or disobeyed the laws of God then because of the procedure of the atonement. But see, the important thing is that we should stray away from sin because it displeases God over that of the procedures. See, as, as he is always merciful and faithful to forgive when we've asked in truth. That's the key right there, right? So let's continue in verse 23 here and see what it says through 30. And it says, You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around. You shall make it... Uh, make it a frame of a of a hand breadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the uh, for the frame all around. And you shall make it four rings of gold, and put the rings on the four corners that are in his hands and or in its four legs. 
Um, the rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, uh, that the table may be carried with them. And you shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold. And you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Ah, interesting. So the furniture inside was to be in a particular order. And, and we see that, that God is also, again, an, this amazing interior designer. As this was, again, his design. We have a table that was about three feet long and a foot and a half wide. And it's covered in gold rings on it to carry with gold dishes. And on the table is showbread. And the showbread, it will be established. Uh, the establishment will be 12 loaves, which will be on the table at all times, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. The bread. Now, the bread would be made regularly and would be eaten after a certain amount of uh, days by the priest uh, before uh, being replaced by a fresh baked loaf. So the priests were the ones who ate the bread after a couple days. Um, but the, the table and its representation was a sign of fellowship. See, because especially in the ancient Near East of this day, the, the place where people would break bread together, and, and in that, it was an important time with someone when you ate with someone. So it was very meaningful. So then the verses, uh, then verses nowadays, people do it out of casualness. But see, back in these days, the table had a very important significance to it. In that of fellowship in the ancient Near East. This was a sign of fellowship between God and his people. And this was the reminder of having the table and the bread. Why? Because God still wants that with us. At times I hear about people who always made it a priority to eat together at the table. And not just on holidays or special occasions. But on a regular basis. I've heard about some who never experienced that, okay? People who would eat completely separated from each other. And they admitted to never have experienced dinner at the same table with their family. And there are those who used to dine together and wish they had that still. And you can see it in their demeanor. You could hear it in their voice and how much they wish that they had that. And you see, fellowship with God is, is never void. It is always better. It's always a better time when he is invited as the guest of honor. He brings all together. And, and if you're, if you're uh, alone in the form of human fellowship, then you're never alone when God is invited. See, this was not just for the sake of relics and elements to impress the people. Although it was impressive uh, by the design and craftsmanship of the building of these things, but it was in the most important things to remind them. See, I was not there to see these things. We were not there to witness the miracles of the delivery from the Egyptians. And we did not see or experience the manna that fell from the sky daily that fed a couple million people. But it happened. And, and the same God that did these things is the same God we read about and worship to this day. Because I, I am fascinated by these things, even though I was not there, because my father, my creator, implemented these things. And I was not there thousands of years ago, because he had my time set aside on earth to be born on July 11th of 1976. As your day of birth was set for a particular time, God still wants us to remember him. He wants to take that time with us while we're here, even though eternity with him will be spent for those who receive him. He still wants the time now on earth while we're here. 
So may we remember that, that this was not just, uh, you know, something of yesteryear. They, God still wants that fellowship, but this was the way it was done with the people during the travels of the desert. Verse 31 to uh, 39 says... Uh, let's see here. As you shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be hammered work, its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornaments, uh, and its knobs, and its flowers shall be of one piece. And six branches shall come out of its sides, three branches of its lampstand out of one side, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on the branch, with one ornamental knob and a flower. And three bowls made like an almond blossoms on the other branch, which uh, with an ornamental knob and a flower. And, and so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand, on the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each which its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the, the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches that extended from the lampstand. Their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece, and it, uh, all of it shall be of the hammer piece of pure gold. You shall make seven lamps of it, and they shall uh, arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils, and see it to that you make them according to the patterns which was shown to you on the mountain. So, now God gives the design for the lampstands. And, and why this is important is the fact that, that God said, See to it that you make it according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountains. See, it was important to God, so it, it is important to make known, and thankfully we have the whole word of God to help us understand what and why. Because, see, in the book of Revelation, there is seven lampstands in the court of God's throne. And there were seven lampstands in representation of the seven churches that is spoken to in the book of Revelation. Uh, chapter 3. So, we have a clear concept of why the lampstands are designed. Now, the bowls, like the image of an almond blossom, was a sign of new life. It was one of the first trees to blossom in the springtime um, in that area. So they knew the significance of that, and it would be a pleasant design as well, requiring the skill of a goldsmith. The lamps would also be the source of light, as the tabernacle would be it'd be unlit inside certain areas. So they were to have light in there, and the lamps, the, the lamp burning was also a sign of the light that Israel would be in the areas as someone was de- uh, delegated to fill the lamps with oil at all times, that the, that the light or the fire would never go out, uh, uh, being a sign to the nation of Israel. Now, the presence of God is our light that will never go dim as long as we stay near the Lord. In, in Revelation, it said that there was no nighttime, there was no dark in heaven, for God was the light. His presence illuminated uh, the whole place as it does everywhere where he's at and, and when we're in a place of concern or of despair you know stay within the tabernacle stay within the sanctuary where, where there is a church that God is being worshipped in truth where God is loved and sought after his presence will be in that place and his presence is everywhere but the Lord said where two or more gathered in my, uh, my name and prayer I will be amongst you and, and take the time daily to spend it with the Lord. See, He never gets tired of hearing from you and I. 
we are hesitant, we're hesitant to call people for the fear of disturbing them or bothering them. But you see, not God. That's not God. See, it's, it's cool because in Jewish custom, customs over the years, they would pray three times a day. And God was so glad to hear from them. I, I love hearing it. I love hearing from my kids in some way, shape, or form. You know, how do you think God is with it, uh, with us, right? I mean, He is joyous as we should be. But the reason people prayed to Him was because they were, they were of Him. They belong to Him, and He wants you to belong to Him as well. It, it doesn't matter who you are or what your life has been like. He wants to have you, and He wants to make you new in Him. See, he sent his only begotten son to die for the for the for the uh, the sins once and for all, right? The atonement of sins in the world for anyone who should believe in him and receive him as Lord and Savior. We serve a God of invitation, and he is inviting all to come and to be a part of him. He invites all to walk with him through life, and by that we can dwell with him in eternity. See, the invitation continues. The Lord knocks on your door, but you you have to open it. And you have to say, come on in, Father. You're the guest of honor. But it's not just the door to your home. It's the door to your heart that he wants to live within you. He loves you and he, he wants to be with you no matter what, no matter where. And you can receive him right now if you feel led. The process was a simple process. It's a, it's a process to pray and to receive the Lord into your heart as your Father, your Lord, and your Savior. And by doing that, you have, you have received Him. A lot of people think that, well, if I go to church and get involved, I think maybe He'll be happy with me. And I'm, No, don't get me wrong, He absolutely is, but that there is not quite enough. I can go to somebody's house uh, numerous times and I could get involved with helping them doing things, but it doesn't mean that I've been adopted as a child. It just means I've done some good things for them that they're thankful for. But in this case, this is the most important thing. We receive him first. And everything else we do for him, oh, you know he is pleased by that because we're doing it for him in his name. But, again... This is your way of getting to be of him personally, getting a way to know him personally. And that is done through prayer by receiving him as your father, as your Lord and your Savior. So once again, if you feel led, I want you to say this simple prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. That I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask for you, Lord, to cleanse me of my sins. I ask, Lord, that you would come into my heart. And I ask, Lord, that I would walk with you for all of my days, Father. And may we always be together, Lord. May I always draw near to you, Father, as you draw near to me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for having me in your kingdom, Lord. As I am now a part of you. And you are a part of me, Father. As I receive you, I love you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what a blessing it is, as always. You know, preaching and teaching the Word of God is such an honor. But knowing if somebody has received Him, 
Well, that shows the power of God's Word. It shows the power of the Holy Spirit who has spoken to you. Calling you to go ahead and receive. Calling you to be forgiven. And also calling you to walk in His ways over the years. Knowing that you want to please Him and be a part of Him. So I pray that you did that. Pray for your family, your friends, and for all of those around you. That you would continue to walk and be in His light. And that one day we would all be together with Him in His eternity. May God bless you.